Well, I want to uh, say hi to everybody that's uh, watching online. Uh, you know, we, we've been live streaming uh, now for at least a few years, and we, uh, we kind of didn't have, we weren't in the habit of greeting our online audience. And uh, this, is, this whole process has forced us to, uh, to recognize that there is a whole uh, congregation of people who watch online. And, uh, and uh, I was saying this in the pre-service this morning that we had uh, uh, a, a lady yet, uh, last week who's watching from North Carolina. She's visiting churches from North Carolina in our community digitally. So she's going to all of the church services online uh, and looking for a church, uh, looking for community. And so uh, there's, we have people all over this country, really all over the world that are watching. We have our friends out, down in Columbia that are watching. And so I just want to say hi to all you guys and uh, appreciate you guys being online. And we love you. Uh, we miss you. And those of you that we don't know, I, we miss you too, I guess. So... Um, we have our, uh, if, you, if you're watching online, you can see that there are people here, and we're, we have our dream team uh, with us, uh, some of our uh, members of our dream team that are in positions that are going to need to be trained to uh, receive you all next Sunday, and we're excited about that, excited to have you, uh, and as excited as we are to, uh, to be here and to meet again, the reality is, is I can't stop... Um, I can't help but stop and just recognize that, uh, that our church is, is groaning. I mean, not our church, our, our country is groaning right now. Uh, and it's, it's going through this, this tension and this um, fracture, if you will. And, uh, and uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably, I'll be the first to admit that I'm the last person that should really be addressing any sort of... Um, divide, racial divide that our country is experiencing. Uh, I, I say that because I grew up uh, in a, uh, a small town uh, that was predominantly white in a state that's 84% Caucasian. Uh, and, and so I'm sure there are things that I will never understand. I will never understand them. Uh, there are things that I'll, I'll never be able to relate to. And I, I did make a post about this uh, whole dynamic, this whole racism thing that's going on in our country. And, uh, and in that, I, I would just reiterate what I said in there is my heart hurts. You know, as a, as a pastor who is supposed to be shepherding people, to see people hurting, is, it, it makes my heart hurt. In fact, I, I always tell people that I, I, never, I was never a crier until I became a pastor. It was, there was something about the anointing of, of the ordination that took place where all of a sudden uh, I had a heart uh, for people. And um, my heart hurts. It, it hurts not because a, a violent act was caught on video. My heart hurts for the underlying divide that exists, not just suddenly. This didn't just suddenly happen. It's been going on for centuries. There's evil in this world. There's evil in this country. And the enemy of our souls, as I said earlier, is seeking whom he can devour. And to be honest, I feel like most of the time, unless it affects us specifically, we stand idly by. It's almost as if we are surprised when chaos breaks out. 
It seems that if it doesn't affect our circle, if it doesn't affect me in particular, then we move on with life and we just go on to the next 24-hour news cycle. 24 hour news cycle. Can I just implore us as a, as a church, for all of you that are watching online, for everyone in this room, could I just implore you to take notice, to evaluate, to listen, and see how we can shift our hearts to love all people well. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm making a biblical statement. I'm making a Christ-centered statement. I know that some of us will be tempted with the yeah, buts. Right? Yeah, but there's this. And yeah, but this situation. And, and I get that. There are yeah, buts in every circumstance. There are. But could this time, rather than us respond with a yeah, but... Could we just be a people that stops and listens and looks in the mirror to say, what could I do in this situation? What could I do to love better? To be honest, I'm, as a pastor, I, I, it's, a, it's like this um, necessary evil that is called social media. And I have it, and I'm not on it all the time. Not as much as some of you, I won't name any names, but uh, <laughs> I'm not on it all the time. And it's this necessary evil, and I'm kind of, I find myself just um, tired, tired of, of everything on there. I get it, though. I understand it because sometimes it feels like it's the only platform in which we have a voice to speak. And so, and so I'm not oblivious to that. I get that. But my question is this, is what is more important? Is it to, to quickly repost a meme or, an, or, or post an opinion or to take action and to do something to be a part of the solution? See, anyone can sit and, and repost and anyone can push buttons, but what if God is actually calling us to something more than that? I'm not compelled to address current events out of some sort of make myself feel better social media post. I'm just compelled to stand and say something because, listen, we have this privilege of the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. And so today I want us to look at how Daniel responded in the midst of a culture that was broken. It was, it was fractured and, it, and there was Evil was having its way, and yet somehow Daniel, in the midst of that, was able to shift the culture. I want us to take a look. We've been in this series on the book of Daniel, and we're going to close it out this week. We're going to, I'm going to actually revisit some, uh, some passages in chapter 6, but then we're going to jump into chapter 9. I'm going to read a verse in chapter 10, and, uh, and then we'll be done. I want to start with this. It's, Verse 10 of chapter 6, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. I read this last week. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. See, what allowed Daniel to live so successfully in his culture, uh, in this culture shift was a couple of really, really important things. Things that we cannot miss out on. The first thing that he did is he prayed. See, when you've knelt before God, you can actually stand before men. For 80 years, this was Daniel's pattern, his lifestyle. 
And God had been faithful to him. He woke up every single morning aware of the fact that he was, there was something far bigger than himself going on. Daniel figured out very early in his life that he needed to be connected and stay connected to God. And the reality was is he was desperate. No one told him he needed to pray. He had to. And it was out of this desperation that he became disciplined. And I think we miss that. I think part of the challenge for us, and I'm, I'm definitely including myself in this, is that because we are not desperate, we are not disciplined. So many people tend to ask, what, what do I have to do? Wondering kind of what's the minimum effort that I need to give to this situation? And Daniel was saying, what's the maximum I can do? What's the most I can do? And he lived that out in his life. My question for us this morning is, are we desperate? Are we desperate enough to be disciplined in prayer? The reality is, is we are living in some desperate times. Maybe the question should be, what does it take to keep us from praying? I don't know about you, but uh, when it comes to prayer, I get distracted easily. You know, I, I'm, the, I'm the person that I'm going to sit down, I'm going to spend some time in prayer, and, uh, and oh, look, I got a bill to pay, and oh, there, I just got an email from work, and oh, this happened, and immediately, all of a sudden, the time that I was going to pray has now been reverted to other things. It's easy to fall into that trap, but here's what's interesting is Daniel, who wouldn't allow even the threat of death to deter him from his prayer. He went and knowing that inevitable death and being thrown into a lion's den, he wasn't going to allow that to distract him. See, I believe James 5.16 where it says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Effective prayer begins when you perceive this gap, this gap that, that's where something is and where God wants it to be. And that's what we're living in right now, where we, we have this gap, this divide, where, where we're looking at where things are and where God actually wants them to be. And, the, and it seems like that gap is growing and growing. Ezekiel 22 says it like this in verse 29. It says, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy. And they, are wrong, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. I found no one. And therefore I poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. See, Israel was spiritually unfaithful to God. They were engaging in idolatry and to false worship. And the leaders of the time were oppressive and they abused their power. There was no honor for fathers and mothers anymore. They had withdrawn their hearts from strangers, meaning that, that they would not care for those that weren't in their family. They wouldn't, they wouldn't reach out. There was no hospitality there. They forgot about widows. They profaned the Sabbath. Sexual immorality was rampant in the midst of that. It sounds like I'm describing our current culture, right? I mean, it, it sounds like, man, this is, this is so relevant to us today. 
Even spiritual leaders of that time deceived people with false prophecies and nothing was kept holy. And God says, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me, but I found no one. Walls were essential for security uh, in antiquity, still are to some extent. They could demonstrate power. They could demonstrate prosperity. They, it's illustrated as we see Babylon's walls. We see Jericho's walls in Scripture. We see even the walls of Jerusalem. And, and, and these walls would keep the enemy out. And they would have uh, watchtowers so that they could see when the enemy is approaching, but they could also see when there was a friend that was in need. Enemies in that time would have no choice but to just lay, lay, like wait it out and starve them out because the walls were impenetrable. Satan said of Job in chapter 1, verse 10 of Job, he says, Have you not made a hedge, a wall around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. There's something about this idea of standing in the gap and, and praying this protection in our country, in our lives, over our children. See, to win a war, you have to take the city, and to take the city, you had to breach the wall. A gap had to be created, and then it had to be exploited, and then the inhabitants would be vulnerable, and it wouldn't take much, honestly. I don't know if you've ever been rock climbing, but um, I've done it a few times, a handful of times. I'm not great at it, uh, certainly not right now, uh, but... In rock climbing, uh, the ones that are more experienced at it, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot. It's, it's interesting when you watch some of these who are, uh, who are at elevated levels of rock climbing, they just need the smallest little foothold or the smallest little grip that they could just get their fingers into and they use chalk and they just hold on and they, they wedge their foot into a, a crack and, and they scale the wall and the reality is, is the enemy doesn't need anything very big. They just need something small, just a little foothold and he will breach the wall. Our souls, our cities, our nations, we have walls too. But the reality is, is that sin causes a breach, causes a gap. Namely, it's separation from God and the effects of the kingdom of darkness, right? That's, that's what's happening in this world today. And what I'm asking us to do is to recognize this morning that our walls are down, they're down. And we have to see that. We have to see that sin has infected this world. God is asking us, where are the someones? If I could just find one who would stand in the gap. And so my question for all of us this morning is, what would it take for us to shift from other people's calamity, other people's pain, other people's hurt, and to begin to personalize that burden? There is a gap. There's a gap between what the Lord desires for our country and, and what we are presently experiencing. And the Lord is looking for someone, anyone. And you might think, well, I have to be qualified. No, you just have to be available. You just have to be available. 
What will we fill the gaps with? Well, it feels like right now we fill the gaps with rants, with negativism, with criticism. And the truth is, is we cannot be spiritual thermometers. We can't just read the temperature of the culture in which we live. As Christ followers, we are called to be thermostats. See, a thermostat, you can change the temperature. You can turn up the heat. You can change the environment and the atmosphere. That's what we are called to be is thermostats, not thermometers. And so how do we stand in the gap as believers? We do what Daniel did. We pray. We pray. And I know that there's a whole line of thinking that says, yeah, that's great, pray, but, you know, there's, we got to do more. And I would just say, let's start with prayer. Could we do that? And what do we pray when we pray? We pray what Daniel prayed. Because it seemed to work pretty well for him. And in case of Daniel, Daniel prayed scripture. Daniel reads the words of God and he responds in prayer. This is what he says in Daniel uh, chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. He says in the, it says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, uh, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel understood from the scripture according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. See, Daniel is, is reading Jeremiah 25 and 29. He's, he's praying these. He's, he's recognizing that the exile will last 70 years and he responds out of God's word. Daniel discerns that there's this gap between what God has spoken and what was going on around him. And he's saying, I'm going to pray God's word and I'm going to stand in the gap on behalf of the country. He prays God's will. See, prayers that start in heaven, right? Prayers that start with the word of God are actually heard in heaven. So we pray the scripture over our family, over our friends. We pray over those who are far from Jesus. We pray for the leaders of our land, wisdom and discernment. The second thing that Daniel prayed is he prayed confession. I thought this was really interesting that Daniel personalizes the burden. I think oftentimes we, we pray this way for everyone else. And in the case of Daniel, he, he personalizes it. He makes it here, close, in his heart. He says, there's no more those people. Instead, he would say, we are them, and they are us. He, he goes on and says in, in, that, in chapter 9, verse 4 and 6, he says, uh, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. Notice the language there, we. We have sinned and done wrong. And it's interesting because as we've been studying Daniel, we can look back and at the reputation of Daniel, and we know, I'm not saying Daniel was perfect, he wasn't Jesus, but what we can recognize is that Daniel lived a pretty blameless life. And yet he's saying, we have sinned and done wrong. He's, he's personalizing it. He says, we've been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. He says, Lord, 
You are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. It's interesting, I, this, these scriptures were picked out before all of this chaos, chaos has, assumed, uh, has resumed this week. And as I read that scripture last night, I was just thinking, it's okay for us to personalize and say, God, you are righteous, but as a people, we are covered with shame. He goes on to say in verse 17, Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. What would it look like if we prayed that prayer? God, would you move and work in our country? There's hurt, there's brokenness, there's fractured racial divide, there's racism. Lord, we, we are asking not because we are righteous, but for your sake, my God, do not delay. Because this country is in shambles. We see this again in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah says it like this. He, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Have we seen too much or heard too much that, that when we hear things and we see things on the news that, that aren't the kingdom of God, does it invoke weeping? Does it invoke mourning? Does it cause us to want to fast and to pray? Or is there criticism and negativism? Or do we just turn it off and move on and hope it all goes away? When was the last time that we wept and mourned on behalf of others? We are observers of the day. We are not immune or oblivious to what's going on. The reality is, is that you and I can come before his throne. We have our help from God. If you are a Christ follower and I can look around this room and pretty much see everybody in the room and everybody's are, we're Christ followers. We have our hope. We trust in the Lord. And I can use that to stand in the gap. I can use my relationship with God to stand in the gap on behalf of those who are oppressed and hurting. We know Jesus. We can pray, Jesus my friend is messed up. Would you work? Would you work in them? Would you heal them? We can stand in the gap and we can be a people who intercede for those around us. We can be a people who intercede for our country. Instead of watching our world wallow, we can actually find hope and salvation in Christ and we can actually do something. We can pray. 
Is there something or someone in your life where you recognize that there's a gap between what is, what God desires for them, and what they are presently experiencing? In fact, I would just encourage you, like if, you, if there's something or someone that came to mind, and, and there's probably multiple things, would you just write it down? If you're watching online, find a piece of paper or write it on your socks because you guys are watching in your socks. So write it on that or, you know, write it down. Not, not because we're going to turn it in and we're going to see how many, thing, how many responses what we get, but, but the reality is, is that this is about what God is doing and how he is moving in circumstances and situation in which each of us are standing in the gap for. Maybe we've become desensitized. We hear, we see, we read about things. They shock us initially, but what happens is, is, is they don't necessarily affect us to change. And yet deep down, we know that it should. I think for many, we do empathize to the best of our ability, and yet there are some who are still entrapped in the ignorance of upbringing. And I say that as no condemnation on anyone. I just am stating the reality of the situation that we live in. The truth is, is that we, we will either be intercessors, we will either stand in the gap and we will pray, or we will be critics. But we can't be both. We can't. Our world and our country needs those who will stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of those around us. As I said yesterday, we gathered back together for the first time as a prayer team, and there was nine of us here, and we were interceding on behalf of this church service today and really praying God's health and protection over this place. And we were praying for you individually. We were praying for our country in, this, in the fractured world that we live in. There are some of you who throughout this 10 weeks of pandemic and being online, we received prayer requests. And I just wanted to, to share with you some, some bright points, some celebration points that took place uh, just recently, actually, through the interceding and praying on your behalf. We had one person in our church who uh, responded with this. Uh, it was a praise, and she said, I finished up my round two of my MS treatment called Lemtrada today. I feel amazing better than I ever could have imagined feeling. I was blessed with an amazing med medical staff that took care, such great care of me and listened to me when I did have issues. This time around, I've had no major issues like I had last year. No need to go to the ER, and the few minor issues were resolved quickly. I walked out of the treatment center today as if I had never been there this week. Thank you all for your prayers. God has blessed me beyond what I could have asked for and more. We will know in the next year if today was my last MS treatment. Thank you again. Another praise. I wanted to celebrate God's glory. Several weeks ago, I asked for prayer on fertility, and God delivered. I found out recently that I am pregnant. Praise God. Prayer works. See, our, our privilege as followers of Jesus, and I know that word is a trigger word, right? If you know me, I don't back away from things too much, but... The reality is, is we hear that word privilege a lot. You know what our privilege is as followers of Jesus Christ? That we have hope and grace that we can contend. And are we actually squandering that privilege by not interceding on those, for those around us? 
The truth is, is our privilege as followers of Jesus is that we can come to the throne room ourselves. You and I. The veil has been torn. We can come to the throne room and contend for his will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Finally, Daniel prayed with persistence. Daniel persisted in prayer until God answered. It goes on in chapter 10 in verse 12. It says, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Persia. See, Daniel persisted in the face of spiritual opposition. What if Daniel had stopped on day 21? It says in Ephesians 6 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against, uh, against the rulers and against the authorities, against the, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have to fight a spiritual battle. If we're going to stand in the gap, there is going to be a persistence that has to take place. Could we be a people called as repairs of broken walls? Isaiah 58, 12 says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. Man, I would love it if people knew us as a church of repairer of broken walls. Could we be a people that stands in the gap and commits to intercede on behalf of this world that we live in? If you're like me, you might think, well, I'm just one person. Like, the problems in our world are way bigger than me. And I would just push back on that and say Daniel was just one person. And the problems of his world were as big as the problems of our world. And yet he persistently stood in the gap and prayed. He prayed the scriptures. He, he personalized it in his life and he persisted in his prayer. What difference could we make? What difference could we make if we committed to be people of prayer? I bet Daniel had that same thought. I bet he thought, I'm just one person. What difference could I make? How am I able to do this? And yet he completely out of desperation stepped in and began to pray. I would love for us to be that. I recognize that not everybody can come on Saturday mornings and pray. But could you commit in your homes to open up the windows and to pray? I'm not even asking for three times a day. I'm just saying, could you pray once? Could you just pray? Could you just contend? Could you just believe that God will move and work in this country that we live in? Listen, this isn't, again, not a political statement. This is a biblical statement. This is a statement that I believe that if anything's good, where God's going to take anything that was meant for evil and to turn it for good, it's going to be because his people, out of desperation, began to pray. They got on their knees, and they sought the face of the Lord, and they believed that God is going to shift our culture. Let's pray.